Look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glorious of his glory and grace. Those are good words. And I want you to think about those words, and we're going to take a little ride here. Again, uh, Evan, did you pick out the songs? Is Evan in here? Yeah. Uh, God's at work. He's putting this service together, because that song about the storm, hang on, we're going in the storm, okay? That's a perfect song. But a couple of scriptures that undergird the lyrics uh, to turn your eyes upon Jesus. Hebrews, in Hebrews 12, says, let us run with endurance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. We've got a race we're running. And this passage says you've got to run it with your eyes fixed on Jesus. Amen? Another verse, Isaiah 26, whose mind is fixed on you because he trusts in you. I want to walk in peace. We all love peace. This verse says the only way you're going to have an opportunity to take hold of peace is if your mind is fixed, stayed, focused on Jesus. Does Jesus occupy your vision? In the midst of the chaos of your life, all your hopes, all your dreams, all your frustrations, all your fears, where is Jesus in that mix? How much of your focus is actually on Him versus all that other stuff? It's an important question. And I want to remind you of an essential truth. I'm going to give you several essential truths here, but one is that, um, I wonder I can't see. Thank you. These are called clicks. You can get them for $25 at Staples. They're wonderful. Um, life only works when we've got our eyes fixed on Jesus. That's all there is to it. For those of us who know him, life only works. We only have peace. We only run our race that's marked out for us in victory if our eyes are fixed on him. And it's not an easy thing to do, is it? You guys have been around the block a few times. It's easy to stand here, oh, I know I'm supposed to have my eyes fixed on Jesus. What does that mean? And, and, and it's hard to do. It's a spiritual warfare. The enemy knows that if we fix our eyes on Jesus, we're going to become like him. We're going to be conformed into his image if he is the focus of our gaze. So he fights us day in and day out at that point. He uses the weaknesses of our flesh. And draws the eyes of our hearts away from their focus on Christ. But that's what it's all about. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful, awesome face. I want to give you two statements. One I got from a book. One I think the Lord gave me in my quiet time. But I think they're essential, for me anyway, life statements. The first one I know is absolutely true. What you believe about God is the most important thing about you. 
Everybody's a theologian. You believe, you have a theology about God. And what that theology is, what you believe about who He is and what He's like and what He does, uh, is what shapes your worldview and affects all the decisions you make and the courses you take in life and the way you react to people. It shapes everything you do. What you believe about God is the most important thing about you and me. And Jesus is what we know of God. I don't think we'll ever see the Father, frankly. Jesus, if you've seen me, he says, what? You've seen the Father. Jesus is how we know God. That's why we make much of Jesus. Jesus, we see him. That's God. That's what God is like. That's who he is. They're not the same person. (laughs) But Jesus is God made manifest. So if we're going to, what we believe about God is what we believe about Jesus. And this is a statement that I think is important as well. I think it is impossible, absolutely impossible for any of us to think too highly of Jesus Christ. To think thoughts too wonderful and marvelous and rich and deep and powerful about Jesus Christ. You cannot do it. Don't ever think, ah, I don't think Jesus could do that. I don't think he's quite that wise or wonderful or awesome. Yes, he is. And far more than you could ever think or imagine. Good stuff. And you and I, if we put our faith in Jesus Christ, we're his blood-bought possessions, and he is in the business of increasing every day our vision of his glory. Every day we get out of bed, it's about, for God, helping His children see Him more clearly, more powerfully, more for who He really is. To correct our theology so we can have the worldview that He wants us to have. Um, Let's call that process, we're going to give it a name, Jesus School, okay? You thought... School is out. School is not out. We're all, if we're God's kids, we are in Jesus' school. My wife and I homeschooled our two boys. Well, I helped a little bit. My wife homeschooled our two boys all the way through. And we had a motto for our homeschool. Life is school. That was our motto. Everything you do, everything, uh, everything we did was about Learning, that was our motto for homeschool. And my boys turned out okay. Yeah, yeah. Now they're, they're awesome, awesome kids. They're not kids anymore, but always will be to the parents, right? And I think in God's Jesus school, uh, that's his motto. He wants us to understand our life is to be in Jesus school. Everything that happens, every part of our day, can and should be a learning experience about Jesus. I'd like you to turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 4. And we are going to look at a story that is probably extremely familiar to you. It is one of the great storm stories. The Weather Channel is the only, not the only 
thing around. It's got storm stories. The Bible's got several very important storm stories. And in Mark chapter 4, if I can find it, we have a storm story. And I'd like you to uh, read it with me. I, the Bible I use is uh, the English Standard Version. You may have something different, but uh, that's what I'm reading from. And this is what it says. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were beating into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased. And there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? A couple points right up front. The disciples had only been with Jesus at this point for maybe a year. So they were like in first grade, okay? And that being the case, this is one of the best days in school they've had yet. And the lessons that they're learning in this class uh, are as pertinent for us as they were for them. And a second thing I want you to really think about, this is one of my main points, is God was sovereign over the timing of this event. And not only was he sovereign over the timing of this day of school, he was sovereign over the content of the curriculum. Okay? And I want you to see that. The passage starts out saying, on that day, when evening had come. That's a specific time, isn't it? It's a spe specific day, a specific time of the day. God says, lesson time. Now, I want to remind you, in context here, it looks like they've had a long day of hearing parables. Parables, they can work on your mind. You've got to think. You gotta, and, and, and Jesus had been teaching in parables. And it had been a long day of teaching. The sun was low in the horizon and I'm sure the disciples are saying, wow, we're going to have us a campfire soon. We're going to cook a little fish. We're going to be able to kind of bask in the afterglow of this great teaching we've heard today. Maybe ask Jesus some questions about it. Life is good. But Jesus says, you know what, guys? I want you to get the boat ready. We're going to go to the other side of a lake. And I'm sure they're thinking, <laughs> is he serious now? I mean, it's... It's not a short voyage. You don't just hop in the boat and pull the cord and off you go. It's, this is your sailboat. You, you know, there's stuff's got to be done. Um, these are not regular school hours, you see. It's all the time. Life is school. 
But don't overlook the fact that he initiated this trip across the lake. I believe, and I think you would agree with me, knowing full well what lay between them and the other shore. You think so? You think he knew there was going to be a storm? Remember who we're talking about. Who is it? Jesus. Can you think thoughts too wonderful or glorious or powerful about him? You cannot do it. Of course he knew there was going to be a storm. If he has the authority to say, peace be still to the wind and the sea, he has the authority to call that storm into being. School's in session here, big time. So step into this story. It's probably dark by now. And these are guys, you know, you've heard sermons, but these are mostly fishermen. They, I mean, they know this, this business. And this was a nasty storm. And the, they're looking at the water rising above their feet, middle of their shins, still crashing over the bow of the boat. The wind's just howling. And they're saying, we're done for. And then they go, oh yeah. What is he doing? <laughs> He's sleeping in the back of the boat here. So they run to him, shake him. Jesus! And we're going to look at these questions. First question in the story. Jesus. Actually, they called him what? Teacher. Because in Jesus' school, Jesus is the subject. The Holy Spirit actually is the teacher. But uh, they say, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? What kind of a question is that? It makes sense to us, doesn't it? That's what we would have, they're a perfect representation of us. Lord, don't you care? You've done it, haven't you? You're in the middle of the storm. Lord, where in the heck are you? Don't you care about what's going on here? Now, keep this in mind. Jesus hadn't been to the cross yet. For you and I, we look back on the cross. We know the demonstration of His love. We know how much He cares, don't we? They didn't have that demonstration in their understanding yet because it hadn't happened. So they've got more of an excuse to ask the question, Teacher, don't you care that we're perishing than you and I do? But we still ask it. Who's ever cared more? Who's ever demonstrated their care more than Jesus Christ for you and I? And yet we ask the question because we get freaked out. We're looking at certain things, but not Jesus. And we ask that question, Lord, don't you care? So he gets up. In an answer to the disciples' question, don't you care? He, uh, he shows them in very tangible terms that he does. And I'd love to have a video. <laughs> he speaks to the waves and which way does it go? He rebukes the wind. And he says to the sea, peace, be still and shh. 
I mean, immediately, all of a sudden, drastic, radical change from hurricane to a beautiful, calm ocean. No wind, not a breeze, and the disciples are terrified. And he turns to them, and he asks them a couple questions. Why are you so afraid? And I think he said it very compassionately. If it was me, I would say, come on, guys. <laughs> you know, for crying out loud. Don't you know who I am yet? <laughs> but we have a high priest, a great high priest who is able, not unable, but able to sympathize with our weaknesses. He understands. Hallelujah. So I think he said, he understood why they asked that stupid question. <laughs> he said, why are you so afraid? Where is your faith? And there's no record here of a response from them back to him. There's no excuses made. There's no, nothing that they offer back to him in answer to these two questions. Why are you so afraid and where's your faith? I think they were speechless at this point because of what they've just witnessed. And I don't know how long it took, but they got their wits about them enough to look at each other, because I think they were terrified to say anything to him at this point, and they said with trembling voice, who then is this that's in the boat with us? (laughs) Who is this? This is school, huh? It's a really good day in school. And you've got to keep in mind, these are good Jewish boys. They were raised reading the Old Testament. They knew well verses like Psalm 89.9 that says, You rule the raging sea. When its waves rise, you still the storm. It says that in Psalms 89. And I'm sure they're sitting there going. <laughs> and turn, if you would, to Psalm 107. This would be another place in Psalms that they would be very familiar with. Psalm 107 is an amazing psalm. It's got little scenes, like little movie scenes it runs through. And then you come to verse 23, and, and listen to what it says. Psalm 107, starting at verse 23. Some went down to the sea in ships, doing business on the great waters. They saw the deeds of the Lord, His wonderful works in the deep. For He commanded and raised the stormy wind. Ah! The writer of this psalm sure believed that God had the authority to cause a storm, didn't he? For He commanded and raised the stormy wind, which lifted up the waves of the sea. They mounted up to heaven. They went down to the depths. Their courage melted away in their evil plight. And they reeled and staggered like drunken men. I was just like the disciples in that boat, wasn't it? And they were at their wits' end. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and He delivered them from their distress. He made the storm still, and the waves of the sea were hushed. And they were glad, then they were glad, that the waters were quiet, and He brought them to their desired haven. Let them thank the Lord for His steadfast love, for His wondrous works to the children of man. 
Don't you imagine the disciples were sitting there with their minds just humming away when they said, who then is this? I know these stories. We're kind of like living this psalm. What does it mean about Jesus? Is he God? Is he divine? They're in school. They're learning more about who he was. If they'd stayed back at the campfire and talked about the Proverbs, they wouldn't be able to see Jesus this way. If there hadn't been a storm, they wouldn't be able to see Jesus that way. You with me? So, what are some of the lessons for us? In this account, we have Jesus and the disciples in the same boat. We kind of use that term. We're in the same boat. (laughs) But Jesus is in the same boat. That's a good thing to know. And he was in the same storm. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Lo, I am with you always to the end of the age. All those verses we sang about, he's with us. So he's in the boat, and he's in the storm. Our storms. For real. He's there. But the shocking thing to me about the story is this incredible contrast between the freaked out, at their wits end disciples in the middle of the storm, and then sleeping Jesus. Now, I don't think he was sleeping because he was wiped out tired. The disciples were tired too. They'd all gone through a long day. They're all, you know. It wasn't because Jesus was tired that he was sleeping. I think it was because it was a part of the curriculum for school. He was demonstrating something to them. Because he's in the boat with them, If he can have that much peace that he can sleep in the middle of that raging, crazy storm, which that's a supernatural sleep right there, is it not? I mean, who can sleep in the middle of something like that? Jesus can, because he's Jesus. But they weren't looking at him. They were probably watching that water rise, looking at each other's freaked out faces. We're going to die, we're going to die. And... if they would look at Jesus and say, oh yeah, (laughs) look who's in this boat. He loves me. It's all okay. Why were they so afraid? Because they were looking in the wrong place. They were looking at the wrong stuff. And that's what we do. I do it. That's the battle. Fix your eyes on Jesus to run the race that's marked out for you. You're in Jesus' school. You're living a life only you are going to live. With your unique trials, your unique challenges, you're fearfully and wonderfully made. Everything about you, from who you are physically to the crazy family God put you in, and right on down the line is Jesus' school. And every bit of it is designed by God because he loves you to help you see him in greater and greater glory. I think that's what this story teaches us. 
Jesus says, why are you so afraid? Where is your faith? I'm, I'm talking to you like I think the Lord wants to talk to us, okay, in our storm. Have you been in school this long? And you still haven't learned who I am? When you fix your eyes on me, you see the King of kings and Lord of lords, the Prince of peace, the creator of the universe, the one who has delivered you again and again. I am the one who shed my blood to demonstrate my love for you and to take possession of you as my very own possession and my very own child. And yes, I am the Lord who rules over every storm. Why are you so afraid? Jesus used questions a lot. Questions are our friends. Questions are how we learn. It's a good question for us to keep right at the forefront of life. Why am I so afraid? What justification do I have? I see the storm. It looks like I'm done for, but Jesus is in my boat. And I can't think too highly or awesomely or powerfully about who he is or the strength of his love for me. So what's going on in your life right now? If you're not in a storm, hallelujah. Enjoy it while you can, right? Because you know there's one coming. Because life is school. But instead of seeing your storm, if you're in one, as some kind of a disaster, which no doubt it is, <laughs> I'm not making light of the storm, and it's, it's power or it's frightfulness, and we can call it, a, a, call it an attack from the enemy, and it very well may be an attack from the enemy, but can I tell you something else that's pretty cool? I think it was Augustine or Luther, one of those guys said, the devil is God's devil. What? Have you read the book of Job lately? What did, what did the devil have to do to get to Job? Lord, that guy's really serving you good down there. Let me have at him. He had to ask permission. I believe, I'm talking theology here, and I, I don't know what theology of this church is, but I'm a big sovereignty of God guy. That's my favorite... How can you get through life without believing he's Lord? Of what? Of all. Isn't that the job description to be God? So as a believer, nothing can get through his filter and get at me without his knowledge. And his knowledge is perfect. And all things are working together for the good. Didn't say all things are good in that they're very enjoyable and wonderful and happy, happy, happy. Uh, they're working together, the good and the bad, for those who love him, to make us like Jesus. That's something we've got to take hold of in a major way. So can we look a little deeper at the storms of our life? And could we really believe that God really is Lord of all? And in his great love for you, he has ordained your storms so that you can learn to see him and know him in ways you never did before. And in seeing him and knowing him like you never did before, you will become what you never were before. Amen?
I don't know about you, but to me, that's one of the most important things in life I need to get right. Otherwise, life is going to be very hard. But if I fix my eyes on Jesus, I'm going to Paul here, and look full in his wonderful face, the things of this earth will go strangely dim as far as their power over me in the light of his glory and grace. And I can be a great testimony of who he is and his, what I really believe about his love. Is it not sad that you and I who say we love Jesus, we, we, we know the glorious creator of the universe, and yet we freak out like everybody else? It's nonsense. What's wrong with us? Why are we even afraid to die? Paul says to live is Christ, to die is gain, because we're going to really see him then. Man, we're, we're in a win-win situation in this life. Nothing can be against us. If he is for us, who can be against us? You ready to dance? We should dance. Man, that's good stuff. <laughs> what an awesome God we serve. One final thought. I don't know what time it is. I think I'm almost right on time. Um, I am not a prophet, nor the son of a prophet. I'm not prophetic at all. But I do believe that life is a true Bible-believing follower of Jesus Christ is going to get very hard for us very soon in this country. And we need to be ready for that. And all we need to do to be ready for that is, I think, what we just talked about this morning. Realize that your God is in control and fix your eyes on Him. Meaning, keep seeing Him in more glorious and glorious ways, falling into His arms and saying, Lord, I'm yours. Whatever race you have marked out for me to run. You know what it says in, in Acts? Paul says to those uh, guys up on Mars Hill, God's determined the times and the places in which we should live. You're not here by accident. I'm not here by accident. Even this morning preaching to you, God is at work in ways we never realize. And He's put you here for this time. As crazy as things are getting around us, this is our day and this is our time. And our task is to just keep our eyes fixed on Him. Amen? Amen. Uh, Aaron, would you come? And I'm just going to let Aaron take it from here, but uh, if the Lord has spoken anything to your heart through this story or uh, what has been said, uh, uh, maybe there's some storms you need, to, uh, you need some help seeing Jesus the way you need to. And you probably need some help through the power of prayer um, to help you see things as you, you know you need to. So, uh, amen. Brother? Yeah, we just want to, we want you to be encouraged this morning, and so as we sing this song, if you uh, want to come up and, and have uh, prayer, uh, Arthur and Charlotte would be uh, glad to pray with you this morning. Whatever you're going through, whatever you're uh, experiencing in life, uh, we want you to be encouraged, and, and as uh, Billy uh, said, we, we want to fix our eyes on Jesus, because uh, he's our hope, and uh, he gives us peace, and so.